Let's turn this morning to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter number 61. We'll be first in Isaiah chapter number 61. And while you're turning there, I will mention to you that uh, in just a little while, we'll look at Matthew chapter number 1. And we're going to look at a couple of other chapters in the book of Isaiah, uh, which you'll be able to turn to quickly. But I do want you to get to Isaiah 61. And even as we turn to other passages, I want you to keep Isaiah 61 marked uh, because we will uh, be spending uh, most of our time uh, out of Isaiah chapter number 61. And I do look forward to what the Lord has placed upon my heart. And uh, I, I do not con- consider myself an expert really on anything, but I do know a lot about this subject of binding the broken heart and uh, grief and sorrow. And uh, because of the uh, certain situations the Lord's allowed me to go through, just as he's allowed you to go through things. And I certainly want to share some of the things that the Lord has taught me, but I'm going to be very methodical in my delivery today. Hopefully my voice is going to hold up. And I would appreciate your continued prayers for my uh, voice and my cough, Uh, but we'll see what the Lord has for us today. Uh, Isaiah 61, in verse number 1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Uh, Notice that phrase is from whence we get our day that we've set aside today. Uh, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to bind up the brokenhearted. That's the title of my message this morning, and I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then I would ask that you listen carefully to me, and I will be, as I mentioned, very methodical to get through everything uh, that I believe that the Lord wants me to get through today, Uh, but I believe that some of the things I'm going to talk about are very, very important, very crucial, helpful for you today, but certainly helpful for us in the future as well. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for caring for us. We thank you for your word and how it gives us hope. It gives us instruction. It gives us the help that we need. And Father, I pray this morning that uh, through everything that is done, but especially now the preaching of the word of God, may the spirit of God minister uh, to your people. May we be helped, uh, strengthened. Father, I pray once again, if there's someone unsaved here, that today they'll put their faith and trust in Christ. Father, help us today from your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Words like grief, sorrow, disappointment, pain. uh, Many of those words, and most of them can be summarized in the term brokenhearted. Uh, There are some things that we all have in common, but there's many things that we don't have in common. But I could dare say that that is one thing that we all as people have in common. We know what it's like to be disappointed. We know what it's like to have a broken heart. You say, well, Pastor Neil, I've never been there. You'll get there. Uh, You live long enough, you'll get there. And as most of us can testify, uh, you get there more than once. So therefore, we have all of that in common. So when we read in our passage this morning that there is one who came to bind up the brokenhearted, it ought to cause us to sit up a little bit, pay attention to what God has for us and this one who has come to bind up the brokenhearted. The focus of this message today is not necessarily so much as to focus on the broken heart, but what can be done about it. Where does a broken heart come from? Why do we deal with the things that we deal with in this world? Much in this world that we even see today, we can look at and say, this makes no sense. Uh, Why is this here? Why do these things take place? 
even in our own life, things that we have to deal with, well, it can be summed up in the Garden of Eden with the first man, the first woman, and the first sin that was committed. The book of Romans reminds us that sin has been passed down from man to man, and so, therefore, uh, we have a broken world. We have a world that is full of the things that we have already mentioned. But Isaiah 61.1 reveals to us that one came to bind the broken heart. This morning, it would not take any time for us to convince each other that this, in this world and in life, there comes things that breaks our heart, there comes disappointments, there comes trials, there comes tribulations. But this morning, I want to put the focus on the fact that our text verse reminds us that there is one who came to bind the brokenhearted. This tells us that our broken heart can be healed. While we cannot change the events of the past, or perhaps our circumstances of today, we do have a hope that a broken heart can be healed. I don't know what you're dealing with today. Uh, you may not have had any idea that today's theme was today's theme, and, and you may be here wondering uh, if anything is applicable to you. I promise you that if you've lived enough life and, and you face things in the future, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know what burdens you have today. I don't know what exactly you're dealing with today. I don't know what uh, scars, so to speak, that you would uh, have in your life today. But I want to leave us all with some hope today that there is hope in the one who came to bind the brokenhearted. <clears throat> but it's very important that we follow progression in Scripture. Notice the word bind in our text. He has sent me to bind. He did not say he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, although... Healing comes from the binding. The word bind, a simple definition means to just set in place. A simple illustration, we use this in Sunday school, I'll use it again. If you break a bone, for instance, you say you break your arm, you go to the doctor, he does not heal your broken bone. He will bind it or set the bone in place, usually some kind of splint or cast, so that the bone can heal. It's not going to heal properly if it's not first bound. You don't leave a doctor's office with just a few moments having seen him for that broken arm and say, let's go do all the activities that we normally do. It is not healed, but the action has taken place so that it can heal. It is not an instant thing. Just as you do not leave... <coughs> A doctor's office healed. It's important to know that one prayer, one church service, reading the Bible one time will not heal your broken heart. Many times, I believe, we get frustrated with God because we say, God, I've asked you to take this sorrow away. Why haven't you done it? The promise has come to bind the broken heart so that it can heal, not to immediately heal, not to immediately take the, the grief away, the discomfort away. It's important for us to be reminded <coughs> that that is not the way God does it. However, we have a promise that one has come who will set our heart in place so we can be healed. I'm thankful that I have a God who cares about what's going on in my life. You have a God that cares about what's going on in your life. You may think no man cares about your burden. God does. You may think no man cares about your circumstances. God does. 
And he tells us in our text this morning that one was sent to bind the brokenhearted so that healing can take place. Now, by way of introduction this morning, I need to tell you, though, what the word bind does not mean. I've told you what it means, but let me tell you what it does not mean. It does not mean prevent. God never tells us that he's going to shield us from all heartache. He never tells us that he's going to shield us from disappointment. He tells us, though, that he will bind. He will set in place. It does not mean prevent. We go back and if you'll allow me to use my personal illustration this morning, if we go back a little over 20 years in the life of our little daughter Amanda and the eight, year, eight months that she spent in and out of the hospital and all the things that go with that and all the hospital stays and the different, even now as I talk about it, I can picture certain things in my mind and certain smells come back and certain sounds that you associate with the, the hospital room and all of those things. Then the Lord chose to take her home. We prayed for healing. He healed her in a way that we did not ask. God could have prevented that, but that's not what the word bind means. I can also reference a period of time in my life when faced great betrayal. And when I became the pastor of this church, there were some who set out to destroy me. This last year, my wife was diagnosed with cancer. Thankfully, the Lord has intervened in that situation and and, and uh, she is on her way to having a, a, a clean bill of health, and we're certainly grateful for that. But you may look at situations like that, and, and I look, and God could have prevented some of those things. But he never promised me that he was going to prevent me from every heartache, every disappointment. You think about your own life. You think about things that you've endured. You may say, well, why did God allow this? We do not know why God allows certain things to take place. All we can say is God is God. His ways are above our ways. But the Bible does not, and I'm going to help, this will help some of you right there because we get stuck on why did God not prevent, he never promised us he would prevent certain things. This verse also lets us know that there are some things, broken hearts, we cannot bind ourselves. I promise you a doctor who's been trained is going to, Bind your broken leg a lot better than you will. Um, don't try that at home. Let me just tell you. There are some things you can't bind. How are we supposed to fix a heart that is broken because of a loss of somebody we love with our whole heart? That's not something you can just slap a, a band, an emotional band-aid on and go on the rest of your life. Those are real pain. Those, those are real heartache. That is real uh, sorrow. There are some things that man does not have within himself to solve or bind the broken heart. By the way, you're not a failure and you're not without hope if you can't fix your broken heart. Sometimes we beat ourselves up and say, I should be over this by now. Well, who says? Or sometimes we look and say, well, well, it's been, it's been 20 years. When are you going to stop talking about his daughter? Well, how much do you love your family? Some things you can't get over. But this verse also reminds us, just like there are some things that we cannot bind, 
we have a God who promises us that he sent someone to bind the broken heart. Leads us to the fact that there are some wounds, broken hearts that only Jesus can bind. Notice our text again. He, God, hath sent me, Jesus, to bind the brokenhearted. Now, with that as our foundation this morning, I want you to stay with me as we move pretty quickly because there's a few things I want to touch on if we are going to get the help that we need. I do not want to live... I'm not buying into the philosophy of this world that everybody has to be a victim. I've faced some things in my life, but I stand here to tell you today, I am not a victim. And I'll get to this more in a moment because through the Lord Jesus Christ, He intends for us to be victors over every situation that we face. Now, I, 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 I love helping people who have experienced some of the things that I've talked about. I have a heart to do that. But one thing you'll find, you'll not find this pastor look you in the face and tell you it's okay for you to feel sorry for yourself. It's okay for you to be a victim. That's not in the Word of God. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to cry. But we have victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, if we're going to have our broken heart bound, we number one, we must recognize who he is. This is where I want you to use your Bible this morning. Turn with me from the book of Isaiah to chapter number 7. Isaiah chapter number 7. I want you to see this. Isaiah chapter number 7. I'm going to give you good stuff today, and I'm not going to charge you $150 an hour to get it either. In Isaiah chapter number 7, in verse number 14, Isaiah, the same Old Testament prophet that we get our text in Isaiah 61.1, in chapter 7, verse 14, reads, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. We get our name, the Emmanuel Baptist Church, from this verse of Scripture. We have the Old Testament prophet prophesying, the signs come and there's going to be a virgin that gives birth. He bears son, shall call his name Emmanuel. Now turn with me to the book of Matthew. Hold, hold your place in, in Isaiah. We'll be back there in just a moment. Book of Matthew chapter number 1. It's important for us to take the time to see this this morning. Matthew chapter number 1. We're going to begin reading in verse number 18, Matthew chapter number 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But when he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. And shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted, is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, 
and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, we are told of the one who's come to bind the brokenhearted. The same prophet in chapter 7, verse 14, tells us the sign is there'll be a virgin who gives birth to a son whose name is Emmanuel. In chapter number 1 of the book of Matthew, we find a scripture reminding us that Mary was with child conceived of the Holy Ghost. In verse 21, she shall bring forth the Son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. In verse 23, we find a fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah chapter number 7. He shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. Jesus, the Son of God, born of a virgin, God sent him God with us. He is the one who has come to bind the brokenhearted. I remind you what I've already mentioned in Sunday school this morning. There is no man who can heal a broken heart. There is no education that can heal a broken heart. There's only one who can heal a broken heart, and who is he? He's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who the prophet Isaiah speaks of. We find the fulfillment of that in Matthew chapter number 1. Statement number two this morning, if we want to have our, our, our broken heart bound, we must, number two, recognize his willingness to identify with us. I'll read Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. You can mark this reference down, Philippians 2, verse 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and, he, and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Jesus who we just read about being prophesied that he would come. He came uh, fulfilling that pro prophecy, the Son of God. And Philippians chapter 2 reminds us that being found in fashion as a man, Jesus was God in the flesh. God put on flesh. He humbled himself and went to the cross, but he humbled himself by leaving his throne in heaven, putting on flesh, so that he could identify with us. Isaiah chapter number 53. If you turn back to the book of Isaiah, this is important for you to see. Isaiah 53, within mind, for we've already read that Jesus humbled himself. He found, was found in fashion as a man. So he identified with man because man could not identify with God. Man had been, been separated from God. Notice Isaiah 53, beginning with verse number 3. He is despised and rejected of men. Notice this. This is important. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. God put on flesh. We know why he came. He came to pay the sin debt of man. We know that he faced every temptation that man's faced, but he resisted and was perfect in every thought, every action, because he is God. But Isaiah 53 also reminds us that he identified with us. Notice what it says. He, he, he's referred to as a man of sorrows. He could have referred to himself as anything he wanted to, but he chose to be identified as a man of sorrows. Jesus bore sorrows. So when we make we preachers make statements and we as Christians encourage one another to say, Jesus knows what you're going through. He cares about what you're going through. Here is documented proof that Jesus in flesh took upon himself and knew what it was like to sorrow. 
and acquainted with grief. You ever go through something and somebody tries to give you some comforting words and you say they have no idea what it's like. But when Jesus gives us instruction from his word, we cannot say that to him because the Bible reminds us that he was acquainted with grief. Think about this. God, sitting on his throne, he's never been surprised. He sees it all. He knows it all. A lot of people are worried right now. Is this World War III? God's not worried. God's not wondering. Everything's happening by the move in the hand of God. I say that to say this. When he put on flesh as man, he identified himself. He became acquainted with grief. He had every emotion that we have. Yet he sinned not. He had every emotion that we had because we we're made in the image of God. And I'll touch more on this in just a moment. He himself was the pattern of how we we're to handle those emotions. Number three, we move very quickly because I want to spend time in the last couple of points. We see we recognize why he came. I remind you what Stay in Isaiah 53, but I remind you again what Isaiah 61 says. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captains and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 through 7, the Bible says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. And he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He has brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. We're reminded of why he came. Now I remind you that there's one who came to fulfill the role of binding the brokenhearted. Why did he come? Well, the Bible tells us in verse 4, as we just read, he hath borne our griefs. He carried our sorrows. Yet he was stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Verse number 5, we read, he was wounded. Why was Christ wounded? For our transgressions. He came to pay for our sins. He came to be the sacrificial lamb, if you will, for our sins. Why was Christ wounded? He was wounded for our transgressions. See, that's why the, the, the account of the crucifixion in the Gospels is more than just a story. When you read of how those nails were driven into his hands and the crown was placed on his thorn and thorns on his head. Why did all that take place? He was wounded for my transgressions. He was wounded for your transgressions. That's the reason why he came. He was bruised for our iniquities. That word iniquities is just a simple, another word for the simple word of sin. All of us are sinners. All of us are people of iniquity. The best people in the world are nothing but sinners. The Bible reminds us that our good works, God is so holy 
that our good works are as filthy rags measured to His holiness. There is no way one could do enough good to put on one side of the scale to even out all of their sin. Friend, we are all sinners. We, are, we all have iniquities. That's why He was bruised. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. I'm reminded when I read that verse of Scripture, the beating Christ took with the cat of nine tails. With his stripes that we are healed and all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Why did Christ go to Calvary? Because the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is why he came. So many times man may say, well, I don't even think God cares about me. How can you say that? He left heaven. He identified with us by putting on flesh. The scripture reminds us that as a sheep going before his shear, a, a sheep being led to slaughter, as, Je- as Jesus had the iniquities of every man laid on him, he paid the sin debt for every man. This is why he came. See, Pastor, I'm failing. Maybe you say I'm failing to see the connection between that and a broken heart because until you understand why he came, You'll never understand how he could bind your broken heart. We see number four, and finally, we recognize what is available. We see a progression here. We see who he is, why he came. But as we think of a having a broken heart, we think of dealing with grief, we think of dealing with the sorrows of life. We must recognize what is available in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Uh, You may want to mark that uh, reference down. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57, the Bible says, But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. All of this is important because of what we can obtain, and that's victory. Do you realize that if you've been disappointed in life, you can still have victory? If you've had to deal with the death of a loved one, you can still have victory. If you've had to deal with divorce and disease and and brokenness, you can still have victory. How is it found? It's found in the Lord Jesus Christ, the man of sorrows, the man who's acquainted with with the grief, the man who was sent to bind, to, 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 to set in place the broken heart. Why? So that we could have victory. The binding isn't the healing. The binding gives us the opportunity to have victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Victory is obtainable, first of all, through salvation. Do you know why Jesus had the iniquities of us all laid on him so that we might be saved? So that we would not have to pay for our own sin debt. Friend, you cannot know what it means to have a, a healed heart unless you first put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll stand here today and tell you that there's not a, there's not a, there's not a quote-unquote holy man on the planet that can forgive your sins. There's not a church on the, that exists of all the hundreds of religions there are. There's not one that can get you to heaven. It's only through the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who identified with us, the one who put on flesh, lived a sinless life, born of a virgin. You can have victory. I don't, I don't know how to get through this life. Victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's through salvation. But on a very practical, 
Please don't miss this. There's a pattern. I made some statements earlier that I'm going to circle back to. Jesus had every emotion that we have. I'm afraid a failure on behalf of Bible believers is, is we don't talk about grief as much as we should. We don't talk about sorrow. We don't talk about heartbreak as we should. Now, I, I'm not at, at, at I'm not, I'm admin, at, at, I'm not, I'm, you, well, you know what I'm trying to say. I'm not for being a victim. That's not in, in my vocabulary. Because through Christ, we have victory. But Jesus set a pattern. No Christian should ever quit on God. I didn't say no Christian should never feel like quitting on Him. But no Christian should ever quit on God. No Christian should ever feel like they have no hope. Why? Because there is one who came to bind the brokenhearted. There is one who identified with us. He's paid our sins, but he also set a pattern. Let me take us back to the illustrations I used in my own life for just a moment. Now that we know who the one is that Isaiah was talking about, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, he came to pay the sin debt of mankind, but he came to bind the brokenhearted. Let me remind you that if Jesus cared enough to pay for your sins, He cares about the burden you're carrying. <coughs> if He cared enough to pay your sin debt, He cares about the heartache that you've experienced. But Jesus also set Himself as a pa- pattern. How does He bind the brokenhearted? Well, part of how He does it, I believe, is He set a pattern and example for us so that we know what to do so that we can have healing. I mentioned in Sunday school, and I mentioned earlier that the binding is not the healing. The binding puts it in place so it can be healed. Uh, Praying one prayer is not going to take your tears away. Praying one prayer is not going to take a scar away. Attending one church service isn't going to set everything back in motion and get everything on track, but what it can do is you can't allow the Lord to set, to bind your heart so healing can take place. If we allow him to bind, how does that take place? We follow his example. Isaiah, as we've already read, reminds us that he was a man of sorrows. It reminds us that he was acquainted with grief. The Lord Jesus Christ, because he was God in the flesh, he had the emotions, he experienced what man experiences. But he did it as a perfect and a holy God. He had his emotions, but they were always kept in the way they should be. He never flew off the handle. He never lost his temper. He never spoke a word in anger. He kept his emotions in complete control as God. But in doing so, he set a pattern for you and I to have our heart healed because he is the one who binds or sets in place the brokenhearted. I mentioned that story many of you, most of you, our church family knows fairly well. With the loss of our daughter Amanda, I think of the Lord setting the pattern for my emotions. My emotions have never been like they were 
when we lost her. I can remember, and I don't know that I've ever shared this in public, I remember as we left the hospital and we came home to that house that was so quiet at that time, I remember shutting myself into her nursery that she had never slept in. I remember the, the wave of emotion that just came over me and laying in that floor. And if you've ever wept and grieved to that, you know the weeping and the grieving that takes place. I only share that because you know it's not my nature to pull back the veil that much. But I had real emotion. I think of John eleven thirty five when the Bible just simply says, Jesus wept. What was Jesus showing? Lazarus had been dead for days. You think the Lord didn't know that Lazarus was already dead? He knew he was dead. But Lazarus had sisters who were grieving. Lazarus had loved ones who were grieving and didn't understand why God allowed. Jesus didn't inter intercede and interfere. And but We know that Jesus did give him life and bring him out. But before that, he went to the tomb and so everybody could see. I believe he did so, he wept to set a pattern that you can shed tears. And quite frankly, in that situation I described, in, in the losing of a child, I don't know if there's anything healthier for me to do at that moment but to shed tears. This isn't what you normally get at church, but... You know it would be good when you have your heartache and disappointment? It's okay for you to be human. And it's okay for the brethren to allow the brethren to be human. If Jesus would set the example so that everybody could see and have it preserved in Scripture forever, that there is a pattern for the emotion. I think of another situation I don't refer to often, but a great betrayal that took place. How do I respond to that? Well, he showed us all in Luke 23, 34. As Christ is on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. And quite frankly, there's probably people in the audience today who there's been wrong done to you. There's been disappointment and things have taken place in your life that, that you wonder why. You know, you could make yourself a victim if you chose to be that way and you don't, you don't understand him. How should I respond to that? And sometimes our heart can't be healed because we won't let it be bound with Christ's forgiveness. And the pattern that has been set was when Jesus had the iniquities of us all on him. And the very people who had nailed him to that cross were the same ones that he loved and was dying for. Jesus made a petition to his father. He said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. I tell you what would heal a lot of broken hearts today for those who have had wrong done to them, to those who have been disappointed by the actions of others. If we would follow the pattern that Christ has set, there'd be a lot of healing of some broken hearts. Say, well, they haven't sought for that forgiveness. You won't find that in the life of Christ. He didn't wait for them to, to seek it. He granted it for all men who would have it. I think of last year when my wife was diagnosed with cancer 
I call this the ABC of my story. None of these I ever saw coming, but that one, and I haven't talked, we really haven't talked much about that. I've been very private about that. That one confused me greatly. Certainly you have fears that come with that, and many of you have experienced that. It confused me. Why would God allow that to happen to her? Then I think about what I'm preaching this morning. I think of the pattern that Christ has set. In Luke 22:42, when Jesus prayed to his heavenly Father, not my will, but thine. And I must have complete dependence on his will. Let me connect all this for you. Too many times we as Christians, we want to change the past. We can't do that. We want a reason or an explanation of why something's happened. God's not going to give that. So how do we endure a broken heart? We have to let Christ bind it. How does he bind it? You know, some would be on their way of recovery if they would follow Christ's pattern for dealing with your emotions. Some could have a broken heart that is bound if their response to somebody else who's hurt them would be to forgive them. And when we face things like an unseen diagnosis or our plans don't end up the way we thought they would, if we would yield and submit ourselves to the will of God as Christ did, we could have the binding of the broken heart. See, this morning we've got to decide, unlike this world, we've got to decide that we're not a victim, but we're a victor. Christian, don't be a victim. Don't be a victim. Say, Pastor, Pastor Neil, bad things have happened. I, I, we can compare stories later. I'm not a pastor who's untouched by things. But I've determined in my life, I am going to be a victor. Why? Because I can be through the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have to be angry. I don't have to be bitter. I don't have to be defeated. I can get up. I can press forward. You just have some superhuman strength. No, not at all. Jesus went to that tomb and he, and he wept. So what are we to do? Follow Christ's example. It's okay to weep when it's time to weep. But then when it's time to get up, it's time to get up. Oh, I've been wrong and disappointed, and look what's taking place in, in this world. What am I going to do? You could have a healing of your heart. It could be bound. It's not going to go away like that. Your feelings aren't going to be taken away like that, but it can be set in a place where it can be healed over time. But you've got to follow the example that Christ followed and have victory in saying, Father, forgive them. What do I do? I'm confused by what God has brought my way. There's no earthly explanation of why I should be going through this. You have to put complete dependence on the will of God, and it'll set that heart in place. And over time, it mends, and it mends, and it mends. But you have to decide that you're going to have victory through Christ. Quite frankly, this is why we see in our world, our world is full of victims because they are not depending on Christ to bind their heart.
Pastor, this is very interesting, and I understand a little bit of what you're saying, but how do I go about doing this? If you understood what had been done to me, understand. You, you, you have some sense of understanding of what it's like to lose somebody that you love very, very much. How do you do it? I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a pastor. I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm, not, I'm not as good a Christian as you. You're missing it. It has nothing to do with any of those things. I can stand, and it's not easy to talk about some of the things I've talked about this morning, but I can stand and do that. I can stand and can say I'm going to continue doing what it is that God has me to do but simply by the grace of God. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 reminds us that my grace is sufficient for thee. Say, Pastor, you know how much grace is available for me? Enough. That's what that word sufficient means. You can have the grace to forgive. You can have the grace to continue on. But you've got to follow Christ's pattern. His grace today is available for salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God. His grace is available for continuing and sustaining and having a heart that is bound. It is available. We must find it through Christ. Let's stand this morning with our heads bowed and we'll do things a little bit differently today.